this is Haley Nauman, and you're listening to the Maybe Baby Podcast. Anyway, here with my friend and mentor, Verena Von Fenton. Verena is the co-founder of Gossamer Magazine, which is a biannual print magazine that examines culture and life through a cannabis lens. Really great pieces and interviews. It's also just beautiful. Um, so check it out if you haven't. I'll link it in the email. Um, but yeah, she's also just like a media veteran. She was one of my first, I don't know, not one of, she was my first editor. And she's just been a really great uh, source of wisdom and friendship for me since I moved to New York. So I was really excited to bring her on to weigh in on the questions this week that I answered for Do Your Baby, which were very like existential and like personal crisis adjacent, like the kind of questions you might bring in a panic to a wise friend. So I thought Verena was perfect to weigh in. So you're about to hear part one of the conversation. I split it into two parts because it's long and also just kind of like emotionally dense. So these first two questions you're going to hear us talk through is one about it being too late to do things in your life. Just that feeling that it's too late, even if you know logically that that's incorrect. It's just like sometimes it's an overwhelming feeling. And also the feeling of getting bad news and sort of dealing with like kind of reveling in how that makes you feel versus seeking out optimism and kind of like whether everything happens for a reason is bullshit or not. So Verena had such interesting things to say on this topic and I'm really excited for you to listen to the episode. So next week is going to be part two where we answer the other two questions. So let's get started. And part of the background noise, we are working in a small space with other people. So, you know, just let's call it atmospheric. Hi, so fun to see you. Oh, it's so nice to see you too. Ugh. Are you in your new place yet, or when do you move? No, I move... We have, like, boxes coming tomorrow. Yeah. We, have you used the, like, box-up service where they, like, give you send you the big plastic boxes? No, but I... Yeah. And then they pick them up from the new location. It's actually really nice. But, okay. So we have those coming tomorrow. We have, like, a week to pack everything up, and then we're moving on Easter. Oh, my God. Are you so excited? I am, like... I'm so excited. I mean, I yeah. definitely am a little bit, like, wary of how much work is ahead, but I feel like it's, maybe right now it'll be different because, like, I'm able to take off work more easily. Like, I'm just going to, like, take a week off from the newsletter, and, yeah. which is harder when you're working at a job. Like, you don't want to take a week off to move. It just feels crazy, but, like, ultimately you do need it. Yeah, you definitely do. It's, like, the fact that people are expected to move in, like, one day on a weekend is so psychotic. We, like just I just texted my landlord yesterday that we're gonna re-sign our lease we had been like honestly your newsletter last week I sent it to a friend who is also just she is moving we decided not to but it's like all I wanted was slightly more space like I love this apartment and everything about it but like it's just impossible for two people working from home but then like all of the real estate like just looking at it I just like couldn't motivate like I was like I this is all so much and I feel so stuck that like I don't know it felt very difficult for me to make make like a a big decision when I'm also like I still don't understand where I am or what's happening in three months <laughs> or whatever like yeah I don't know are you in a one bed we're in a one bedroom and it's an, it's like I mean it's fantastic for one person honestly it was good for two until working from home you know it's like now there's a desk in our living room like I'm I won't even it's like so disgusting I'm I'm you're like next to a pile of laundry and like sitting on my hamper this is like where I do calls when Nick's in the living room. It looks room, very you know? glamorous. It really, this is like the definition of Instagram versus reality or whatever. Like <laughs> truly the definition of it. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I yeah. mean, my whole bed is behind me. Like laundry to my right. Like. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh. And then the only other dumb thing is our kitchen, which I did not register until I moved in. Like when I looked at the apartment, everything was perfect, and I just like didn't register this thing. It doesn't have any drawers or cupboards. It's like 
I never thought to check front drawer. And that doesn't sound like such a big deal. Except like nowhere in the I don't have a drawer other than like my own, you know, that things. That is a big deal. What Especially the in hell? the kitchen, like all like utensils and shit is like impo- like <laughs> God, real estate in New York, man. It's like this, it's like everybody thinks about it all the time. I know, it's like we get on this, I know we're supposed to talk about other things, but like, this is what's important to me right now. I could really, I mean, it's kind of a nice escape, like I said, it's like. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I invited you on today because, first of all, I kind of regretted picking these, I always regret the questions I pick. Not that they're not lovely and amazing questions, but I'm such, I'm drawn to such heady questions and then I have a I'm like I'm gonna challenge myself to answer this in three paragraphs and I just fail every time I mean I was reading your answers and I was like oh these are like those literally are five fully formed like feature length essays and I was like how does she do this (laughs) like how long did it take you to write those you know I started on Tuesday morning so I mean still you did those in like two days yeah, two and a half. That's incredible. That's it was Thank like five thousand words. <laughs> a big, huge mistake. Like literally five. I did a word count because I was curious. It was five thousand words. I know. That's amazing that you can write that prolifically. Thank you. It's actually really. It's not gonna. I can't keep going because. Well, I typically I would have taken longer to write it, but I had. I keep having this issue with podcasts where they, they get pushed later and later, and then I have to edit the next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that happened this week get. where I was full podcast editing on Monday. Couldn't start this until... This is really boring minutia, but it ends up fucking me, and I yeah. get really burnt out when I do it like that. Well, I, I mean, whatever. As a reader, I love it, but... Wait, really? Okay, so you yeah. didn't feel like Jesus... Because like, I feel like if I read one essay, I would not want to read four more after that. I, but I thought they were all really interesting and all very different. Um, I mean, do you get, I don't know, does Substack show you, like, can you see how far people read? I guess not because it's email, right? No, I don't get any information, like, yeah. none. That's crazy. I mean, I get a little bit, but it's really useless information. Yeah. I mean, I read it. I, I'm sort of, like, settling in, and then I'm reading it. Um, okay. Sorry. And I, I have actually... to assume that, like... It's also kind of your brand, you know, like I hate that word for lack of a better word, but that's like your style. And I have to assume that people that are subscribed to your personal newsletter are like invested in it and like appreciate the length. That would be my guess. This is actually a great intro to this podcast because <laughs> I'm already leaning on you to give me a pep talk right now. <laughs> How many pep talks have you given me over the course of the I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I think I just like, I don't know. I always go in pep talk mode. I shouldn't have Shouldn't even presume you need my fucking advice. Of course I do. I was just, so the way I was going to introduce you is to say that you were my first editor ever. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't work together for very long. We just overlapped at Manor Color like for a year. Cause I, was it even? I think so. Cause I was originally only going to do three to six months. I mean, it might, maybe it was a little under a year. And I know that then I ended up like staying on cause I felt bad. Um, and loved it. Like, I, I did, like, really love it. And I was just like, but, like, Leander was like, can you stay? And I was like, yeah. And then I just kept staying, staying, staying until I was like, okay, I really can't anymore. This is way longer than I had anticipated doing this. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so we overlapped for a little bit there. And then I feel like we just stayed in touch as friends. But also I feel like I've turned to you a lot in moments of, like, crisis is probably too strong of a word. <laughs> but I feel like you've, I've turned to you as, like, a mentor a lot in media because, you are just like really smart and compassionate and I am mm. I feel like perennially new even though I don't know am I new still I don't know I don't I just don't have a traditional path I guess is the better way of putting it I think that's I mean yes I think that's a good way of putting it I think I have like yes like more like corporate and varied experience I guess yeah but the thing I was gonna say is that you know I have now been out of any really like corporate media role since 2015 (laughs) you know aside from like consulting stints or whatever like what I did at Man Repeller and so in some ways I feel like people who are far younger and quote-unquote newer than me have 
far more knowledge about like the workings of media as it currently exists. Like I feel like out of date basically, which is honest to God fine with me. Like if I never have to like know the ins and outs again. Yeah, totally. Okay. Well then let's jump into one of the questions. Um, okay. I feel like the one that relates to the most is the fifth question, which was, can you talk about feeling like it's too late? This is the person, this is the person's mm. word. They said, can you talk about the feeling of it being too late? I know logistically it isn't true, but the feeling is overwhelming. That's like my short version of it. Yeah. Um, have you ever felt like it was too late with your career or with your life and anything you've been doing? I think it's, I, I loved that question. Um, that probably felt the most personal or like applicable or relatable to me. My perspective on it, right now because I've I obviously like I've had varied experiences with that feeling I'm 37 and I currently feel it (laughs) um it never goes away it never goes away is the answer um and I think it's all really cyclical part of the reason I feel it now is that like you know I have started my own company and I have a publication whatever and there's like the narrative of like founders and like particularly a narrative obviously around female founders that like I both occasionally benefit from but also am like really really over like really over and I think what comes with that narrative or what has dominated that narrative is also like you know this is true of men as well but like the sort of like young wonderkind right like you know not even 30 and founded her own business or like you know, now there's like 22 and 23 year olds that like, totally. And, and it is not at all that I don't think, you know, people of that age are capable of doing it. Absolutely. But I think that context is really key for a lot of it and not just doing something younger doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know, my perspective on it right now, and the things I also sort of tell myself is a lot of that comes with privilege too, you know, or like is a result of privilege. Like young people who start their own businesses, like I would hazard a guess, there's obviously going to be exceptions, but those are people who are doing it because they have financial security. It is incredibly precarious to go out on your own. You know, you essentially have started your own business and it's really fucking scary. You have no one to fall back on or you might, I don't know, but like, no, you, you know, I, um, I think in many ways I'm obviously like more successful than I was at 29, but I'll tell you, I was making like four to five times as much money at 29 than I am now. So what does success mean? Um, But I do worry, like for me, again, it's just the founder thing that like, you know, am I going to age out of people finding anything I do interesting? (laughs) But at the same time, I, I find you know, my friends and and the women and the people that, like, I consider mentors or the people I admire, like, are usually far older than me, you know, like, I'm 37, they could be in their 50s, and I admire and look up to and respect them and think they're super, super successful. So, you know, I, I, I think the answer one is yes, it never really goes away. And two, I also think just the definition of success is really cyclical and varies depending on where you are in your life. I think you sort of addressed this a little bit in the question, which I thought was smart, like successful at what? Again, I was more successful financially, you know, eight years ago, but I feel more fulfilled and creatively inspired and professionally successful now than I did then. But like, I'm having a harder time paying my rent. So what does that mean? You know, I'm watching most of my friends you know, buy houses and like have second kids. And, um, you know, I'm looking at apartments with my partner and we're sort of like, can we afford to pay another hundred dollars a month? So I, how would that, how would you frame success in that respect? You know, I, I think it's picking what is really valuable and important to you. And also definitely like just not looking to the left and right. I was gonna say that the one good thing about, not the one good thing, but obviously in a year that has been, I think, excruciating and tragic (laughs) and devastating for a lot of people. Um, And while I think the isolation has also been really, really hard, I have found it very good for my mental health to not like be out and about 
with like people that I would maybe consider either competitors or like, you know, on my same level and watching their trajectory. I find it a lot easier to just like be in my own bubble and focus on what I want to do rather than constantly looking to the left and right and being like, well, this person is four years younger than me and their company's already this size. Um, at least being sort of in lockdown has, has made that ability to just look inward and focus on yourself a lot easier for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one thing I didn't really fully dive into in the answer, maybe because I just was worried about getting too cliche, but like it is so true that something coming from something someone younger like doesn't make it better. It's really hard to like train your mind against that. I think that like the very the ver- veneration of youth itself is like part of the same system I was saying is really fucked up. Mm-hmm. But um it comes from, like, people who have, like, young success in, like, the kind of commercial metric where you typically use that term, like you said, usually come from privilege, or if they got really lucky. Like, luck is crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, something went viral, and then you made a business off of it, or whatever it might be. And I feel like we, I understand why we c- celebrate these, because it's, a, they're a strange phenomena. But I feel like, and I'm just sort of, like, I'm sort of making this up as I go along, but I feel like it's created this value system that doesn't actually exist like it's not better because it's young it's just rarer therefore we tell the story about it but like a book that someone publishes i've been thinking about this a lot with a book because i'm like kind of trying to cobble down a or cobble together a proposal right now and while they're used i used to have this feeling of urgency about it (laughs) like i remember when i was like approaching my 30th birthday and like gia tolentino's book was like fucking everywhere and I was like I didn't think that I was going to be care or I didn't think I was going to care about turning 30 until suddenly like this 30 year old had like the most popular like cultural commentary like even though it was just in my little tiny world you know what I mean and it just it felt like a it 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 gave me like so much anxiety which is so silly because I mean all the obvious things it's not a competition it's Gia Tolentino it's just like it's it's so silly but I think like um, at that time, I felt like an urgency, like I cared about her age, that, that the fact that she was the same age as me, and or I knew it was stupid, but I still cared, which is like always the issue, right? We don't feel the way we know we should. Yeah. Which I feel like is sort of what this person's question about is about. I also, well, one thing I was going to say from what you said and, and talking about the veneration of youth a little bit. One thing I will say, I fucking love teens. I've said this forever. Like, I think teenage girls in particular are like they drive culture. They're one of the most powerful forces like on the planet. I love them. Like I truly love them. I say this also to all my friends, like who have kids. I'm like, they're fine. You, you have them now, as soon as they hit like 13 and you don't know what to do with them, like give them to me. All I want (laughs) is to be surrounded by like teen girls. Um, (laughs) and so I think I'm all, I also love teen girls. Yeah. And so I think part of it is, you know, in some ways, the closer you are to that, the more connected you can be to like the cultural conversation that I do think they are often driving. Um, but separate from that and something I actually think about, because I think Philip Accardi wrote about this at one point, you know, he was like a, is, he's very young still, but like, is you know, was sort of touted as this like Conde Wonderkind, like he just was so accomplished, so hardworking, like, you know, I don't know, I don't think I've ever said this word out loud, indefatigable. It's <laughs> too many syllables, I don't even want to say it either. <laughs> you know the word I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, tireless, I guess. Um, and that is very doable in your 20s, but that's ultimately very rarely sustainable. You know, I think some people have that in them forever, but I I, I think you, and I, I used to be that way too. And then you sort of hit a point where you're like, this is not worth it. Like this output is not worth all the other things I'm sacrificing, both either on a personal level, on a social level, on a mental level, all of it. And so I guess I would just also add that perspective to the idea of like having success by a certain age like that can just be driven by peers who are currently just like running as hard as they can they're not going to run that hard forever and like the the ground kind of evens out and I will also say while I look at it you know the perspective I had on the question related to me as like a founder or whatever 
I would say that I feel like for most of my friends, some of whom I would consider very successful, but are also probably just like medium successful, you know, like they're not like articles aren't being written about them. Like they're just, they have good jobs and they're good at their jobs and that's that. And they're really happy. And I have found that most of my friends that worried the most about it, myself included, when we were younger, you kind of hit a point where you like, don't worry anymore because you realize you don't actually want it. Like, that's the other thing. And I can speak about this only from a media perspective. And maybe we've talked about this too in the past, but like a lot of like younger writers sometimes are like, I really want to be an editor. And you know, there are different forms of editing, but sometimes editing is just managing people. And I've had a lot of like young, sort of like younger people I've worked with then eventually make their way into like managing and editing and be like, I don't actually want to do this. Like, I just want to go back to, to writing. You know, I don't actually want all of the like success that like, or success, the wrong word, but like the cachet that the title gives me or feeling like I got more seniority or whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that like, well, that's what I was going to say is that, um, like I had that urgency about the book, but now I'm sort of dragging my feet, I think on purpose. I'm like, why do I, why rush this? Like, I don't want to put out, like, assuming I can't even can put out a book, but like my choice would be for it to be very good. (laughs) And I feel like I'm improving all the time. (laughs) And I don't, I would just rather, like, if I put out a book that's much better at 40 than when I'm 31, because I rushed, that's fine with me. Like, and I mean, I don't work in, I mean, this is probably not, not that applicable of a scenario since, most people aren't in media, but I do think that, like, you do maybe grow out of feeling like it's that important to be young to do things. And something you, something I've been thinking about that you just referred to is, like, people think that, like, exposure is good. Like, yeah. exposure, exposure. It's such a value of our society and culture. But exposure just invites scrutiny and it invites, it really complicates your life. And it's not all it's cracked up to be like if anything what it answers most effectively is like your desire for validation like Mm -hmm. that's what it fulfills best and that's not really something I want to center my life around like if anything it kind of keeps you back in like a high school mentality where like you really care about what people think of you so I feel like being a center of attention which everybody thinks is like the best thing to be when you're like I mean what a disaster to be, like, an editor-in-chief at 25, in my opinion. I would not want to have done that. I, no I, disrespect, but, like... A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I would not feel ready. I mean, like, I feel like a lot of these people who are venerated for being in positions really early, they may be really skilled in certain ways to have gotten there, but they're still 25 in their brain. And, like, yeah. I feel like that's going to be hard for them. And I feel like that's true of any like getting to anything early, like... Why not get to it late? Like, I love friends whose parents are a little older and, like, have, you know people who have older parents, like, they have this sense of, like, wisdom. That's you? Yeah, my parents are very old. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I, I always liked it. I never, you know, it was interesting because it felt like I had friends who had much closer relationships to their parents, I think, because, you know, when parents are younger, um... You know, I also, my parents are both German, so they're old and German. So, like, they have, like, a very, like, conservative old person mentality. How old were but they when they had you? My mom was 42 when she had okay. me. And my dad would have been, uh, was uh, 51. Um, so, like, my mom, I mean, they were born in 1933 and 1942. Wow. So, yeah, like, really old. Um, but it's, I, I think it's really interesting because I think a like it's just a fascinating perspective and the older I get the more like I'm 37 I'm still like oh my god my mom didn't even have me for another five years I mean I have two older sisters so like she had had children but like still um and she also still for that time had them late like she didn't have my oldest sister until she was 27 or 28 which I think like in 1969 was relatively late (laughs) um but I do, yeah, I mean, so actually I would say the more interesting perspective I have is via my sisters who are 10 and 14 years older than me. And I've actually written about this before um, because I think having two much older sisters, they were more like aunts than they were siblings to me for a really long time, like until I was probably in 19 or 20 something and we Mm -hmm. felt like we could have a little more in common. Um, But it gave me a perspective and like, 
you know, like when you're a teenager, you like intrinsically hate everything that is adult, right? You're like, they don't understand me. My parents don't understand me. The teachers don't understand me. Like, you know, you are a walking ego because like, you know, largely and bracketing again that like some of this comes from a place of privilege. Like as a teenager, you don't have that much to worry about. Certain teens in the world absolutely have a fuck ton to worry about. But like, I just had to go to school and like sports practice and apply to college and, you know, work at Safeway. Um, So, but having people who were not my parents, but not direct, like not close enough to be like sibling rivalry, but Yeah. yeah, like just older, cooler people. I was like, I'm so grateful for. And so I think I've also sought that out in my friendships, largely, you know, starting from my 20s, like still to this day, some of my closest friends are usually like 10, 15, 20 years older than me. I also have a lot of friends that are far younger than me. It's not like a, I'm not only like looking at older people, but I think that there is like, again, perspective that you get from that, that is just so exciting because you can see all of these possible different paths you know especially if you're not sure what path that is like for me it's still like I I largely don't want children like I still don't want them I keep thinking maybe I'll wake up and want them because everyone tells me that's going to happen but I'm 37 it hasn't happened yet but to find friends who are 15 or 20 years older than me who don't have children and to sort of look at that path and be like oh that that is a, a path that we don't get shown a lot, but I can see it through you. And so if you think about that also in the framework of success of like looking at people who you know or care about their opinion or admire and also look at like what their success looks like, I think you can find very, very different and gratifying definitions that are probably equally admirable to the ones that you're like putting in front of yourself right now because your peers are achieving them. It's such a good point. I love being friends with people of different ages. That's much more part of my life in New York than it was in my past life. Yeah. And I appreciate it so much because it's sort of, I mean, first and foremost, aside from just like exposure to diff- people in different walks, parts of life, it just de-emphasizes age. Like, because yeah. I have a lot in common with people at different ages and it's really nice to not feel like you're just always on this ladder that's like one at a time. Like this emphasis on it starts to feel kind of silly. Um, yeah. I think it's a really good point about having new or like seeking out different role models because we're, we're, we're fed them, but I don't even know if we would pick them by choice or I know that we probably wouldn't like the ones that yeah. the media feeds us or the, who are the people who end up defining this, like what is like an impressive or successful trajectory. Yeah. It's also hard if like all of your friends, like I guess I'm imagining if somebody lives in the South mm-hmm. in a town where everybody gets married really young mm-hmm. And they, like, follow various set guidelines. I think it'd be pretty tough to feel, like, I I guess what I'm saying is seeking out community who shares your values can do so much for, like, breaking those little mental barriers in your mind. A hundred percent. And, like, obviously there are plenty of ways that that is accessible now that certainly wasn't 20 years ago, you know, which I think is really incredible. Um, and, And the... Last thing I wanted to say was also, I sort of said this, but success, again, is really, really cyclical. Like, the people that I know that, I mean, there are plenty of people who were, like, young editors-in-chief who then eventually got laid off and then never found another job and are now in their 50s, and I'm talking about friends of mine, who are, like, trying to figure out a second career. But they would have been, not would have, were absolutely lauded as being, like, incredibly successful you know at a very young age but you know such a good point it's like i'm fucking yeah (laughs) you don't know it's not once you have it it doesn't stay like everybody can be on their own cycle yeah like and that happens with marriage too like a bunch of people get divorced yeah and they'll be single again the people you were so envious of yeah basically like success does not guarantee future success so like it, it's largely meaningless is right. what I would and, say. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I guess I was trying to spin it in a positive way where I was yeah. like, you know, if you're in the down swoop, That's like true. you'll come back up and you'll like your life. It is cyclical. Like if like everyone go, life ebbs and flows. Sometimes we have the energy to pursue a bunch. Sometimes we don't. And like yeah. that part, like I feel like part of getting older isn't really about like flattening that out. It's just like learning to endure it more. 
Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and with more, like, acceptance and just knowing that, like, your peers are just on a different part. I mean, this is getting so self-helpy, but they're just, like, on a different part of that cycle. And one day they'll be down and you'll be up. And it's not even really about comparing them, but it's just knowing that that's true. That's, like, a virtual fact that one day they'll be down and you'll be up. Like, that's going to happen. Um, yeah. And the other thing that is a 100% percent true and again you sort of address this but it's like really just figuring out what you mean by success and like yeah. figuring out the things that ultimately like make you functionally happy on a day-to-day basis and I, so I say it that way because it's not like do what you love like I, there's nothing I hate more but like what are the things that literally make you like okay with getting out of bed every day and like okay with going to sleep every night and like pick figure out what those things are and they change for sure I was gonna say they change too yeah so it's not even about finding the one it's yeah. like it's gonna change I think that's a really good point like I think about like the transition from like man being my ultimate dream job to feeling like it was like really wrong and, like, yeah. neither of those, like, that didn't, me feeling like it was wrong did not mean that it wasn't one point really right. A hundred percent. It's right. just, like, yeah. you're fluid, we're fluid. So, like, I almost think that, like, people searching for their passion or searching for their dream job, aside from the fact that, like, a lot of times that's sort of, like, a fruitless endeavor anyway, given everything about our society, I also think it sort of acts as if that is, like, a journey that ends rather than just yeah. being something that's, like, turning over all the time. Yeah. You know? Okay, well, that kind of, maybe that kind of brings us into one of the next questions, which was, I recently received some disappointing career news. Should I tell myself everything happens for a reason, or is there another way? I love this question also. How do you feel about everything happens for a reason? This is funny. It's a hot button topic in my household. (laughs) Oh, Um, really? Yeah. Um, So, I don't want to say I believe in it. Like, I don't necessarily believe everything, like, is universally, there's like, you know, defined or, or sorry, divined. Um, but I, I think, sorry, I'm sort of stumbling around this. Okay. I do say that phrase. Like, I do believe when something goes wrong, I'm like, everything happens for a reason. I'll explain what I actually think when I say that. Yeah. Drives my boyfriend nuts. Like (laughs) truly, he's like, I, there's nothing I hate more. Like that is not a real thing. (laughs) Like, like, not everything happens for a reason. There is no reason. Whatever. So it, it, it's like we do have a constant tension around that because, like, that's kind of my MO when things go wrong. But it's not that I think genuinely everything happens for a reason. I think one way I'll answer this, and it's something I've learned relatively recently about myself, but it is a trait that I am very grateful I have. I don't know where it came from or why I have it, but I am largely devoid of regret. <laughs> And that doesn't mean I don't think I did things wrong or should have done things differently or, like, that I've never treated somebody badly or ever made the wrong decision. Like, absolutely, I think all of those things. But I do not feel, like, it is not something I feel that I need, I ever, like, look back on and and dwell on actually doing it differently and envisioning that different path. Like, that, I just don't do that. I can think, like, man, that was wrong. But then, like, my brain immediately is just like, okay, so now what? Like, forward. Yeah. Um, And I am so grateful for that. Again, I couldn't tell you where it came from. But, like, it really, really, like, of all the other anxieties I have, I am so happy that that is not one of them. So I can't necessarily tell someone how to have that. Although the only thing I will say is that it's, it's really just about, like, that's the situation now, whatever that situation is. And, you know, in, in the case of this person who wrote, like, they didn't get the residency they wanted um, or were hoping to get. One thing I would say is I'm not sure that there's necessarily anything they could have done differently. So, you know, like that is a decision or that's one of those situations which I think can be largely out of their hands. I mean, I'm sure you could go over your past with a fine tooth comb and like, if only I'd studied harder for this or gotten a better grade or a better recommendation or whatever went into this application, of course. But at the end of the day, like that's like, that is a, whatever that application process was and that, you know, sorting and waiting list, like 
that is a system far bigger than one person and far right. bigger than like any reasonable like minute decisions assuming someone really is just kind of like trying and doing their best to achieve the thing they want to achieve yes. um so you know okay so now what like this thing that you've been working towards forever um doesn't look the way you thought it would um and that fucking sucks and like i think everything happens for a reason should not be like sack it up you know pull it together and like put a smile on your face and be happy like be miserable like wallow cry about it like for sure bitch about it to all of your friends and and like feel free to think your life is over like that none of that like those two things aren't mutually exclusive I just think the only way for me and I would just hope someone takes something of this like the only way for me to then function is to recognize like Ultimately, the only thing we have control of in our life, literally the only thing, are, like, the decisions we make. That's it. Like, everything else is out of our control. The only thing I can choose to do is, like, if I'm going to get up and walk to the living room or, like, get That's up and write That's such a good point because we can't even control how we feel, which is one of those no. things that people say you can control. No, you can't control that. Absolutely. That's, no. But you can only control, like, what you do. And so I try really hard to just it's be profound. like, okay that's this is fuck like I can't do anything about this shit so like what can I do for myself like what are the small things that I can do now and sometimes you don't know the answer it's just like okay I have to walk into this new residency and like see if it's as bad as I thought it was gonna be and maybe it will be fucking great and you'll be like oh never mind this is the best thing that ever happened to me you know like you just don't know so I I the only way I sort of navigate anything frankly I think the only way I could like get out of bed every day is to just be like I can only I can only do what I can do and like the world will happen around me and I will like continue to like muddle my way forward and you know I think I'm also eternally hopeful I feel grateful I was gonna for say, that it's optimism a very, it's an optimistic yeah I mean I yeah. think it's easier to do move forward yeah with optimism, like, I think that's it, what she's talking about is, like, a coping mechanism. It's classic. I mean, I do, I did encourage her to, like, which is exactly what you said, which is, like, wallow first. Like, yeah. I don't think, I do think that there is, it can be, it can be sort of damaging to, like, constantly be pushing down and, like, never let yourself respond to something emotionally, like, with your full emotional honesty. Yeah. But I do think that, like, what you're talking about is kind of the same thing I said, which is, like, Maybe everything doesn't happen for a reason, but, like, we're really good at giving things reasons that happen to us. And, like, yeah. that's, there's, that's the power. It's not, like... Yeah. I kind of feel like that about karma, too, where it's, like, I don't personally believe in karma in terms of, like, some mystical power. But I do think that people who do bad things will, like, eventually lead themselves into a bad situation where they will, like they will suffer for their choices, yeah. like that kind of thing, where it's more like it's practical almost. And I think that the same is true for like things happening for a reason is like we give it a reason and therefore it's powerful. Like, and so I think, yeah, I think like when people use everything happens for a reason to like justify like awful things like deaths and things like that, that's when it starts to feel like, whoa, we're not talking about like optimism anymore. You're saying yeah. that like this person like deserved to or like was taken right. for a reason like well unless that helps you like that does help some people grieve so I don't mean to judge but um I, yeah I think it's got to be like a personal it's a personal coping mechanism that helps you reframe bad things I mean now I'm just stating the obvious but no but I was gonna say I think the difference uh, and uh, this helped me put a finger on it too even with like when I was in sort of tension with my boyfriend and I it's like everything happens for a reason is something you can and should say to yourself. I don't think it's something you say to other people. Um, mm. And that's such a good distinction. You know what I mean? And so then I, I think like, because no one wants to hear that. No, <laughs> even, like, even me you. when I, when I believe it, I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> like, no. Right. But, but I think when you can, Again, like, maybe take everything happens for a reason out of it. Again, like, the only thing you can do is what you choose to do. Like, that's that's the only way you can move forward. And, like, sometimes that is under incredibly terrible, horrible traumatic circumstances. 
and for some people for the rest of their fucking life, you know, like there is not necessarily always like a happy ending, but I think that it's about like, so I'm not necessarily a hundred percent optimistic. I would like to believe I, I have had a good life and I will continue to have one, but who knows? Like, I don't know what could happen to me in 10 years, like, or, you know, what my life or friends or family or social network might look like. But all I know is the things that I can do physically do like on a day to day basis to continue to move forward and try and like carve out my own happiness. Yeah. I mean, I think that like we often think of optimism as just being smiley all the time or like always seeing like the bright side of something. But I feel like what you're really describing is like resilience or yeah, that's a good like, way of putting it. A proper like, I, I feel like maybe we need to like redefine optimism in our culture because I think I don't think that smiley thing is helping most people. Like the feeling that they need to be happy all the time or always yeah. see the bright side of everything. I think it sort of um, it skews like reality, and I think it makes people. It's kind of inhumane. Like it's just not. It's it doesn't. It doesn't account for the emotional ex- or the human experience. Yeah, as it really is. But I feel like there's probably a way to, like, actually invite optimism into your life that feels, like, humane. And, like, maybe that's kind of what you're explaining, which is, like, it's two parts. It's, like, feeling your emotions. And then it's, like, once you're done processing, which, like, that processing, I kind of mentioned this in my answer, but, like, I think processing emotions, like, really honestly, is how you, for me, it's how I get to know myself. Like, Mm -hmm. if I skip that, I'm not really, like, learning anything from, like, that situation or learning anything about myself or what I want or need. You know, yeah. sometimes it's, like, a need. It's, like, well, why do I feel angry? Like, what do I need in this moment? And I think if yeah. you, if you're, like, he didn't mean to say that. He didn't mean that. It's, like, well, you're just, you're always pushing down, like, the, the juice of whatever's happening here. But anyway, I think, like, we need to redefine optimism. Like, what does it mean yeah. to, what does it mean to look forward with like, a sense of agency while still recognizing, like, that things are fucked up sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all also, like, a form of, like, very deep self-interrogation. Um, and something I also do constantly, sometimes to my detriment. I think you've written about this before. I associate this thought with you. But, like, of, like, arguing with a partner or a loved one and wanting to wait until you had, like, your argument perfectly formulated and, like, unimpeachable before, like, stating why something upset you. Yeah. Was that you? You did write about something like that. I wrote it, yeah, I wrote about, like, yeah, it was more that, like, you would, I would express my disappointment, like, when I no longer, like, felt it in my body. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I do that a lot because I feel like I don't know how, I'm not good at expressing myself when I'm really, really worked up. Um, but I think, and this, you know, to sort of go back to that answer a little bit more, because I know, you know, I'm, I'm taking it in a different direction, but Please. I think it's about figuring out what exactly is disappointing, like, and why, you know, is it just the prestige? Is it, you know, because there's the first choice, like, why was something your top choice? Why was this one not? Um, and then I think ultimately, and I, you know, I hate to sort of be like, pull yourself up or whatever, like take your fucking time and, and do whatever small baby steps you can, but also in general, like just be kind of open, like go into the thing that is not the thing you thought it was going to be and like look around for a while and take it all in and like, you can still feel depressed, but I just encourage like the self interrogation to make sure you're not wallowing so far as to like tune out what other paths or opportunities might be opening because of this. And like, I know that starts to sound self-helpy, but I do think that like, that is a form of like, or, or that experience is like also an exercise in creativity, which is really good. Even if you don't work in a creative pursuit, you know, like yeah, that's a good you have point. to think creatively to try and be like, okay, well, what else could I do here to like, maybe get a little bit of this thing that I feel like I I lost or was taken from me and like where are the other avenues through which I might find it. Um, so not doing that immediately, like take your time, but just try and be very like eyes wide open to whatever experiences is coming your way instead. It kind of reminds me of everything is copy, which is like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's just, it's like, 
And I feel like the reason I have always found that expression so compelling is because it accounts for the fact that like most things that we think are going to be good, like aren't as good and things that we think are going to be bad are like really interesting and teach us things that we would never trade. And I just feel like, you know, we're, we're not always good at understanding like what's going to be fun. Like imagine going yeah. to the thing where you're like, you dread it all day and then it's like the best time. And like when the inverse happens and just like life is just so, I mean, talking about getting self-helpy, but it's like so yeah. unexpected and that's like yeah. really the, what makes it interesting. So I feel like, you know, sometimes it might be more interesting to go, I mean, I don't know if this person, what this residency is, but it might be kind of interesting to not go to the top ones that you want. I was honestly just about to say, like, I, I, again, in a vacuum of not knowing much, like, all I can think of is, like, a palpable sense of relief. <laughs> of, like, also potentially not any sort of residency, anything where it sounds like you're applying for something and there's tiers and, you know, first choices and second choices, whatever, like, we're talking about it as like a hierarchy or a measuring system, right? And you're, you're up against other people who were better, quote unquote, better than you and therefore got the thing you didn't get. I would also probably very quickly start telling myself like, okay, maybe it's a good thing I didn't get it because like, can you imagine like the mental stress that I would be under, like looking around at the people I'm surrounded by and like, you know, the imposter syndrome I would have. And then I would probably immediately be like, okay, great. Now I'm just going to like succeed and like excel the shit out of like this residency, which was maybe my like 20th choice. But you know, that's another thing. Even better at it. Yeah. I was also imagining that she's moving to like a city. I mean, I don't know if this is true, but I was imagining maybe she's moving to a city. Relocation. Care about like Mm -hmm. living Maybe I don't want to trivialize it, but like living in a in a city that you hate is like interesting. That would yeah. be an interesting experience for you. And like I think that those experiences are really formative. And you know maybe that's the optimist in me too, who has like shaped my past to always be like meaningful to like where I got today. But I think one day that will be true too of this experience. Like I think a lot about how much I suffered in my twenties about my career, and then ending up like writing a lot about career and like feeling like I understood people who were stuck in careers better than I would have had I been in my dream job since I was young and I feel like you know obviously I'm just like narrativizing at this point but I think that like that's sort of the 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 life the human experience it's like the thing that you didn't want ends up making you wiser or whatever it is it's like just it will be true. Or maybe for this you'll too. hate it forever, but then the next thing that happens that is a little bit better, you will be that much more appreciative of. Like, you know, I, I think there's also certainly worlds in which, like, something feels wrong kind of forever, but. But not that, now every, you know what it means for it to yes, feel wrong. Like, and that's not useful. everything feels wrong forever. Yeah. Yeah, I always think about that with, like, first jobs. Like, it feels it feels really crazy to, like, love your first job. I think the best, honestly, like, the best professional experience you can have is to, like, have really hard first one to two to three jobs. Or, like, maybe your first one is good and then your, like, second and third are horrible. Like, I really think you have to have bad jobs in order to, like, find any sort of literal professional success and personal fulfillment. Do you have a home phone? No. It's our fucking intercom. Oh, it's your it's our buzzer. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but it sucks because not that anyone cares. It doesn't work. Ours is the only buzzer in the building that works and our intercom doesn't work. So every time it buzzes, I have to stick my head out the window and be like, who are you buzzing? Because no one else can hear you except for me. And then like, it's, and every time they're like, sometimes they're like, you. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't know that. Like, I don't know that you're, but whatever, it's a whole thing. <laughs> classic New York apartment. Yeah, anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, that's the, I mean, not to get back to the other question, but, like, having your dream situation when you're young, I don't even know if it counts, because you, first of all, you don't really know yourself, you don't know what's your dream situation. If you have it too young, then you can only go town. Like, I kind of think it's, it's a little scary to have that, so, you know, better to give yourself time anyway. 
Yeah, and you have no frame of reference. Like the the number of like times I also like thought I hated something, and then like five years later I was like I had no. I mean, whatever. That's like everyone's. Or vice versa. Like sometimes yeah. I was like I thought my first job was like so cool. Like yeah. and I didn't like my personal job, but I thought it was like really cool that there was like scooters in the office and stuff. And now I look back and I think that that actually I don't like what that company was doing or whatever. It's like it just yeah. it just. Like, our relationship with our past is, like, so fluid. Like, you'll feel just... It just changes as you get older, and, like, your whole story will change, so... Yeah. And also, anyway, it actually, just keeps happening. That's all. Wait, what? That stuff just... It all keeps happening. That's It just never thing. stops like, happening. Yeah, like, that. this happened with this person in their residency. Like, I, I can tell you a million things that have happened to me this year that I'm like, that's not how I wanted it to go. <laughs> but, Absolutely. you know... You just got to keep going. It's so funny because it's like you always, when you're young, you think that like these things aren't going to bother you when you're older, but you just can handle them different. You just handle them. They just don't affect you as much. I feel like that's like, that's what it actually means to like mature. Like it's not really like solving your problems. It just means like not feeling like it's the end of the world when they happen. Yeah, it's a frame of reference thing. You can't yeah. rush it either. That's the worst part. Which actually, maybe we should pop to the next question because there's a 22-year-old. God bless. Who feels ashamed of, of her youth, which I definitely remember feeling. 100%. I used to tell people I was older forever. And I think I told people I turned 30 like I, earlier than I did. Because I was <laughs> so, so sick funny. of people being like, you're almost 30. And I was like, I'm just going to start telling people I'm 30 now so I don't have to hear it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I feel like I felt that most acutely when I was, like, 25, 26, because I was working in HR, and I felt like I was way too young to be, like, giving people advice. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to seem older. But also just generally, I kind of felt that throughout my life in 20s. But so she says, she basically wants to ask, how did she stop cringing at her mistakes, give herself grace and forgiveness as she... And maybe... Implied in her eagerness, I think she maybe wants to be more comfortable with being her age. Um, What did you feel about that question? Okay, that's it for part one. No spoilers on how Brandon feels about that question. Come back. Next week, we're going to be talking about being in your 20s, but also just being any age and sort of embracing um, or rather defying what that age means. It kind of sounds like a cliche conversation, but I found Brandon's perspective on it really comforting and it made me feel like really joyful about being any age at any time so bless you verena thank you so much for coming on she's still going to be here next week so come back we're also going to be talking about writer's block a little bit about hr stuff but not really um so yeah i hope to see you there and thank you so much for listening i will see you next week bye Maybe.